Hi, I'm Samantha Rund, actor, comic, and creator of Beyond Technique Coaching. This podcast focuses on performance and the many ways it can help enhance our lives in voice, body, and mind, so we can bring more of our whole selves to our lives and work, because our whole selves are our best selves. On this podcast, I'll have on some incredible guests. We'll be sharing some stories of the ways that performance has helped inform and empower our lives, as well as share tips, techniques, and some of our many experiences. I hope you stick around and let's have some fun. excited for our next guest. You are going to love her. She's a very talented comedian. She has millions of views on uh, YouTube and you may have seen her on the Ethics channel, on Amazon, on BuzzFeed. You're going to definitely want to check her out on uh, YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, all of the social media at The Cat Alvarado. And be sure to check out her awesome podcast, The Villains of History. So please welcome Kat Alvarado. Hello. Thank you so much for having me. So excited (laughs) to do this podcast. I'm so excited to have you here. (laughs) Yay. Yeah. So, um, you know, and thank you for being game about delving into this whole, you know, how has performance impacted your life, either made it, you know, better or I guess worse. I hope not worse. (laughs) But, you know, just, just how has it affected you? So I've been performing probably since I was eight years old. Actually, I think that's the first time I ever did any kind of theater. It was Midsummer Night's Dream. And I think I was whatever, whichever one of the fairies has the monologue. I want to <gasps> say Mustard Seed. Oh, Mustard Seed has like a very tiny one. Um, uh, Midsummer I, Night's Dream. It's at the like, it's at over Hill Over Dale through Brush Through Briar. Oh. Over Park Over. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That one. Of, I do wander yeah. everywhere. Uh-huh. Well, yeah. it, oh, now I want to know too, because I know, right. Know it. It, and I have <laughs> the play like right over there. I just can't reach it with my Everybody arm. Everybody does Midsummer at some point in their life. Midsummer Night's Dream. It's such a good play. I got to play that Mustard was, Seed, but I didn't aw. get to do that speech. It was my first, yeah, right. I think that was my first Shakespeare play in high school. And um, yeah, I, did, I also played Mustard Seed, but that's why I was like, oh, I didn't get to do the speech, but I don't remember who did. So you were the, you were the other. I I was, I was that. And what's cool is like for the, my theatrical career until it ended in, at the end of high school, I mean, like took a pause. I came full circle because my first ever play, I was mustard seed in midsummer. And Uh then when I finished high school, I was Helena. (gasps) Isn't that cool? Oh, that is so cool. And I, you know, I love Helena. Like I mm-hmm. thought it'd be great to play Helena. I thought Hermia would be fun too, but I'm too tall for Hermia unless if I got a super tall Helena. Yeah. And I think I just kind of related to Helena a little bit more. And for the listeners who don't know what Midsummer oh, right. Stream oh, is. Oh my goodness. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. It's a Shakespeare play. <laughs> it's a Shakespeare play. Mustard Seed is a very small character. She's a fairy in like a cohort of fairies who flutter around the queen of the fairies, right? They live in the forest. Helena is one of the two romantic leads. They're mm-hmm. Helena and Hermia. And they, yep. it's about them and their boyfriends. That's right. pretty much like they're the main character. So I went from being a teeny little tiny person to getting eventually to be the lead right. in, in that play, which is really cool um, to see like how growth happens and how life progresses. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so I started out, you know, elementary school summer camp plays, middle school theater camp, theater camp, theater camp, high school theater camp, eventually high school plays. Um I did speech debate, so I was in forensics, TI, I won a state championship uh, TI, and I also did uh performing uh opera, uh classical voice. Oh, that's awesome. Several I didn't years. Know that. Um, yeah, yeah. So I've got that background. Then I took a pause for a couple years uh, in college. I got a undergrad and graduate degree in economics, <laughs> of all things. Because my That's life right. a little bit of a You know those theater kids. Theater kids are normally very economically minded. <laughs> <laughs> no, right. I'm being. No. But I, I think uh, that seems like a great combo, though. Yeah. And I, I kind of think uh, the combination of theater, which is all about performing, and mm-hmm. I think people who enjoy theater and acting also have a curiosity about people and human behavior, Yeah, you know, beyond just like, I want to be on stage. I want attention. I think to really be good at it, you have to be passionate about like, how does a person think what is going on below the surface to yeah. be any good at it? Yeah. That's just part and parcel with acting. Um, 
So when you combine that with the very hyperlogical social science of economics, mm -hmm. performing plus economics, you get a stand-up comic. Because <laughs> <laughs> yes. really economics is, it is, it's just more about people. But instead we're looking at like how a bunch of people work instead of how one person works. And mm -hmm. that's essentially kind of what stand-up is, is looking at the patterns among people and then making fun of it. Uh, yeah. So ultimately, after I left grad school, I started having a full-time job as a financial analyst at a big, one of those big mucky muck man, the man companies that you don't want to work for. Mm -hmm. um, everyone's heard of it, but I don't want to say the name because um, it's a scary one. And <laughs> it's a defense contractor. It's the biggest defense contractor that there is. And um, so I worked there. It was miserable. And so I had to start performing again. I just had oh. to. And I had been dabbling in improv. So mm -hmm. I reached out to a friend whose friend, so a friend of a friend, ran a show in a pizza shop and I, a stand-up show. Delicious. And I did it and it was wonderful. Uh -huh. I crushed it the first time and then I haven't stopped. Look at <laughs> you crushing it the first time. Yeah. And seven years later, I'm still doing it, still doing stand-up. And um, your question was why? <laughs> well, Right. Yeah, I guess I'm just, I'm curious as to, do you feel like it's had an impact on your life? Do you feel like you're a different and or slightly better person because of skills you've gained? It's or shaped my journey. Mm -hmm. Like if I'm, like if I'm the land, it's the water that makes the river that runs through me. Um, Ooh. That has shaped, it, it, it's the water that shaped the Grand Canyon that is my life. <laughs> oh, look at that. That's, look at that. Epic. <laughs> right. It is. Yeah. It is. It is shaped. It really has. All my major life decisions have kind of been made around being married to being a performer. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and, you know, getting, I got married when I was um, 19 because we were, I was, I have kind of a religious family. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I was still a performer even when I was married, but I was part of now more music, doing like Christian music stuff at that uh -huh. time. Um, but it wasn't enough for me along with the other aspects of that experience. One of the reasons I left and wanted to be independent was so that I can more seriously pursue the rest of performing, that is acting, stand-up, everything else, because it was calling me and I felt so restricted in that situation. So even my romantic choices, they all come down to this anchor that is performing arts for me. Okay. I've had people who I absolutely love and adore who wanted serious relationships, but they lived elsewhere. This person who I loved for like four years um, lives in Portland, works for Jaguar. Like he's a big engineer there, robotics. Like he, that's his dream job. Mm -hmm. um, was like, come be with me in Portland. And I said, come be with me in Los Angeles because this is my dream. Right. Um, You've planted your roots. Yeah. And so it's, it's just shaped all my choices pretty much. Wow. That's how it's affected me. Yeah. I definitely feel uh, there have been times where depending on whatever I have to prioritize in my life, maybe I've had to go about performing in a different way, but that's definitely been a constant. I always, I always find a way to do it, whether or not I know that I'm going to at the time, it's just integral to who I am yeah. and what I need to do. I'm interested though, in that you said it was such an anchor that it anchors mm -hmm. you. So, yeah. and you were talking about feeling restricted before when you were in that previous relationship and you couldn't really pursue it the way that you wanted to. Can you talk mm -hmm. a little bit about what it is where you were feeling restricted versus, because I noticed you didn't say freedom as much as you were talking about that anchor. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And I mean anchor in a good way. You oh, know, absolutely. Floating away into having a miserable life. Like yeah. It, yeah. It's a it's something that always it's a joy I can always come back to. If that makes sense. It does. And and I've always felt like I have a gift to perform. Mm -hmm. Um I, like I've I've always been good at it. I've always been funny, you know, from the first ever time I set foot on any stage, it was funny every single time. I've never not been funny. And to know that I have a gift, because yes. not everybody's funny. 
It's true. <laughs> I know that. No, I'm not like, everybody. This is this is like the thing I was blessed with. It's my calling. Mm-hmm. And to not be able to do that and not perform it and not see like, where could my life have gone? You know? So I was kind of just stuck. I'm emotional. <laughs> yeah, I feel. Yep. It's just, I feel you. I was just like, I can't live a life where I'll not know what could have been. And so I just, I was like, I'm sorry. I got to leave. I can't be with you. I love you, but this is, can't, can't do it. Um, oh, so yeah. Yeah. And it, when it's your passion, when it's your calling, it shapes your life. Yep. It does in a really intense way. Cause there's like a lot of love, a lot of loss, a lot of sacrifice that goes into it. 1000% yes to what you're saying. But I also know this, if I didn't do it, I would be so unhappy. I already know that. Right. It's where I get all my joy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I like to sit with these moments, but then I realize this is a podcast, so I have to keep talking or they'll think that something's happened. But if you're watching on YouTube, you can just see me stare off into the distance as I take this in. Oh my goodness. Uh, Extremely relatable. I think that I'm imagining any other artist listening has, has these feelings. And if you're not an artist, you're a mathematician and you just have to do math and you're you know, your parents are trying to get you to be a, ba- a ballerina instead. I'm sure you still have that same, you know, whatever it is that anchors you to mm-hmm. your source of who you are, what your gift is, and that joy. And if you do not pursue it, it is physically painful, emotionally it painful. Is. It is, it really is. So uh, another question I have for you is, what are some of the things that you do to help refill your well, refill your energy, especially with, you know, your, your busy, successful lady, you know, in Los Angeles. And, um, you know, I'm currently not in LA, but I remember I have workaholic tendencies and you know what? I'm not going to beat myself up over it. What I've had to learn how to do as I get older is I have to learn to protect some of my free time, which is difficult to do. And when I was in Los Angeles was increasingly difficult to do because there's so much to constantly go after. Mm -hmm. And I will just, I will just let um, you and the listeners know that as I started this project with the podcast, I was so excited. I'm so excited about it and hoping, you know, the people that it may reach and help. I did the same thing where I just booked so, so many things for this and I forgot to give myself a day off for weeks until I'm like, okay, Samantha, don't fall into that old habit of being so excited working on your passion that you don't give yourself time. So my long-winded thing is saying, what are some of the things that you do to help refill your well other than performing? Because I know that's such a, it's, it is very life-giving yeah, when you love it. Oh, absolutely. Um, Because I have a day job. I have a corporate job. I'm blessed to have it. You know, Mm -hmm. Um, a lot of performers don't. And I'm just like, you know, thank God that my other gift was math, you know? Yes. (laughs) Um, It's a trade. And and so I do that, but it's also a little bit draining for sure to to do that because it's not something I love. Right. For me, the recharging, and I said, other than performing, the recharging is the performing, but between the two of them, I still have to find that space. Right. Um, so I kind of try to like supercharge when I two okay, two things. I have two yeah. parts that answer. Um, so when I do take a day and it's like time to rest and I'm talking, you know, in regular times, not quarantine times. Yes. Um, I, I'll go get a massage. I will go to, and I will pay for a massage. I've, it's one of those cheap Chinese places. Um, not, not hey, too expensive, but like, treat that is my yourself thing. to the yeah. level that you can. So what kind mm-hmm. of, what kind of massage is it? Is it like a, a, a deep tissue or do they do Swedish massage too? Or um, like stand on your back? I'm not sure. 
it's just like a, it's like a generic massage. Like they'll do a combo. It's my, it's like place. It's right down the block for me. They'll do my feet and then they do my back. And it's more, I want to say like Swedish massage, mm-hmm. nice. uh, reflexology on the feet. It, uh, it's great. It's great. Yeah. They do a combo. It's a great deal. Uh, and I'm like, <laughs> sweet. It doesn't break the bank. I'll take it. Right. Um, but yeah, I try to like kind of supercharge my downtime or I have like a select couple of shows that I love and I'll binge watch them, but I only yes. binge watch those shows. Um, cause it, it keeps it so that, you know, when I have my free time, it's stuff that makes me really, really happy. And I don't waste my free time on stuff that's like medium happy. Like I don't binge watch shows that I don't absolutely love. Because yes. doing that is sacrificing time I could be working on things. Because I also have that workaholic tendency. The other thing that I try to limit is I'll, I'll kind of limit my projects in a way. So Villains of History, I have seasons. So it's not just an ongoing weekly podcast because that is overwhelming. I edit every episode and every episode is researched. So I spend hours yeah. pouring through Encyclopedia Britannica, Wikipedia, other resources that are reliable. Um, yep. uh, yeah. To find documentaries um, and to get that information. And so I can't keep that up. So I'll do, you know, a 20 episode season and then I stop. And I don't know when I'll start the next season. It's when I'm recharged. Right. Um, so having those limits is super, super helpful. Um, likewise, limits with social media. I try to be selective about what I'm doing. TikTok just came out. That's a new one. It'll suck your life away if you start. Um, then, then there's IG t- just got, they had first, they, it's just IG stories. Then it's IGTV. Now it's IG reels because they're doing TikTok. There's also Snapchat. There's also Twitter. I'm just, I, I do not keep up with all of them. I know that I won't. Um, I'll do them in fits and starts. It's probably not the best thing for my career, but honestly, when I think about what's really valuable and where my time is best spent, it's not on TikTok because I know a crap ton of comedians who have tons of TikTok followers. I'm like, if everybody's got tons of TikTok followers, not all of y'all are going to get famous. So if everybody's got 40,000, then I don't care if I have 40,000 because... Everybody's got 40,000. You know what I mean? What matters Mm -hmm. is, am I funny? Am I getting in front of the right industry people? And when I do get in front of those industry people, am I ready? Ah, Because that happened. And that actually has happened to me um, as a a stand-up comic. I was three years in. I got into this huge comedy festival. It's called The Laughing Skull. Laughing Skull is chock full of industry. I mean, the industry you always dreamed of being in front of. They're there. The booker for Fallon. Um, People from Comedy Central, from True TV. There is the VP of casting for NBC. What? Wow. The Mm -hmm. head of casting for NBC was there. And the guy who books for uh, Montreal Just for Laughs, New Faces. And New Faces is where people get seen by the biggest agencies like Levity and the networks. Like my buddy Dusty Slay, he, he did Skull. He then did Fallon off of Skull. Then off of that, he got to do New Faces. At New Faces, Levity saw him. Levity signed him. Then they paraded him around to all the networks, and he sold a show. And it was in a matter of months, like six months after. Wow. This is how quick it goes. So here's what happened to me. I did Skull. VP of casting at NBC fucking loved me. He loved me. Here is the kicker. So I'd go to the general meeting with him and this is like, Oh my God. And I had ideas. I was full of pilot ideas. I had already been learning to write pilots, um, and taking classes and had great ideas. And, he, and I pitched him my idea. He's like, I love it. We've been looking to go into that space. Sure. Um, send it to me or, you know, send it to us. I'll do that. And I had also applied to NBC, um, diversity's TV writer program. And he's like, yeah, let's see where that goes too. Let's see if you get in. I'll talk to her. And he goes, we would, I think you'd be great to be staffed on a show like Brooklyn nine, nine, if you can send us a script and also send me your reel and your headshots. Well, guess fucking what? I didn't have a reel. Um, And I wanted to do another rewrite on my show script. So I was really nervous about it. And the one that I had pitched him, actually, um, it was just an outline. I had a beat sheet done. I wasn't done writing the pilot itself. He wanted to read the pilot itself. So I had my shot 
and it was a swing and a miss because it took me like six months to get all my shit together and I sent it, but by then the heat had fallen. And, um, and since then I've kind of plateaued a little bit. Like I, I did go back to laughing skull the following year. Not everybody gets in two years in a row. This girl did. Hey girl. Uh, Hey, hey. Hey, hey. Uh, And, and I improved, which is great. Um, you know, the booker for Fallon last year, the previous year ignored me that year. He shook my hand and I'm like, okay, this is great. Yeah. Um, he shook my hand and was like, here's, you know, here's my information and call me. I will bump you to the head of the line for NBC diversity stuff. And I'm like, amazing. Yeah. Um, so I, I earned that at least. And, um, but guess who wasn't there? The NBC casting guy. Why? Cause he left, he got a better job at Facebook. And so now I don't have an NBC in anymore. This shit goes by quick. I tell you this Oof. whole story to say, if you are in stand-up comedy or acting, what have you, be prepared. Don't waste your time making TikToks. No one gives a shit. No one. <laughs> If you have strong characters, if you want to do SNL, I think it's a great idea to be writing sketches. Sketches are great. If you're actually putting stuff that is like your portfolio of real writing, do that. Shoot that if you're like a filmmaker because that's portfolio. That's different. That's the stuff you want. But be wise in how you choose to spend your time. And you should be working on that pilot to have it ready for when the time comes. You should have that pilot written because, oh my God, that happened again another time. I had three quarters. I had two acts written. Third one, I pitched it to a studio. They loved the idea. They're like, send it to us. And I was like, fuck, I didn't finish it. And I said, I'll send it when I finish it. Two years have passed. (laughs) Oh no. I just never finished it because I'm too freaking busy. So learn from my mistakes. Finish your projects, have them, have them complete, have them in your arsenal. Because if you're good, if you're talented, those doors open for you. And I'm so blessed to have these doors opening. And the thing is, it's not about that. It's opportunity meets preparation. Right. Not nailing preparation. And luck. I I heard it that way. The the trifecta, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. I suppose the luck could be being in the right place at the right time, but not saying that you needed the luck, you earned your way there, right? You yeah, earned absolutely. your way there. Um, I also think, you know, in this industry, if you're talented, I, I see this about stand-up. I can't say this about acting because I know too many amazingly talented actors who are not getting opportunities. Yep. <laughs> fucking sucks. But I think stand-up is its own animal and because it's more writing heavy, it's yep. like... There's, it's a fewer, it's far, it, it's just less competition. It weeds it, out a yes. lot. I, I agree. I think, um, yes, that that's one thing that kept me excited about standup. Like initially when I started doing standup, it wasn't to be a standup comic. I was looking for, it was actually part of refilling my well when I was in LA. It was like just a thing mm-hmm. that I could do on my time, wouldn't cost me any money. Maybe I could meet some other people, you know, socialize a little bit more and just have some other artistic outlet, outlet that I didn't expect anything from. Because my mm-hmm. attitude towards acting was like, listen, I got two degrees in you. I did this many plays. I've traveled around the country. I have this, this, and this, and this. I have earned it. Give me my stuff. Uh-huh. And so you put so much on the line, so much time and effort. And then like you're saying, it's there's so much into getting picked as an actor that's not only your talent, not only your work ethic. And um, obviously there's things that I could could have done and that I still do because you could keep on improving no matter how good you are, just keep on getting better. So, you know, I'm not trying to say I was, you know, you know what I'm trying to say. <laughs> yeah. I mean, what I, the, what I'm trying to say is like, thing. I'm not trying to sound bitter. I'm not trying to sound bitter. and I'm not trying to say that I didn't need to keep working. I'm trying to say that uh-huh. in most professions and also in other artistic pursuits, when you see people who put in the effort and have that to back it up, normally doors open for them quicker. And uh, with acting it, Definitely, at least in LA, it definitely did seem like that luck factor was bigger. Hundred percent. And, 100%. and yeah. then you've got other things in in acting. Listeners, 
conspiracy theories are true, kind of. <laughs> when Ooh. it comes to the background, the some of the shit that goes on that I've learned. Um, because so I went to grad school in UC Santa Barbara, which mm-hmm. the cool thing about living in Santa Barbara is you get to hobnob with some successful folks. If you play your cards right, you'll meet people who like live in Montecito and have sold companies and, you know, um, and, uh, I knew a guy who was, he'd sold a tech startup. So he had some cash, right? Yeah. He bought his way into two f- feature Phelps. Oh, right. Yeah. He paid $250,000. That's the price. You pay that, you get a speaking role. You get like a mid middle of it yeah. where you have lines and you're part of it. You won't be the lead, but you'll be close. You That's know, how much it costs. And a certain situation like that, I have to say, the other part of me couldn't be mad at it because if it's an independent film that needs money, his money made the film happen. Everybody else gets to work now. So, yeah. you know, I I definitely can wear different hats while, while seeing it, but LA was an amazing learning opportunity. I did get to do some pretty cool things when I was there, um, but it definitely helped um, that it's just an eye-opening experience like and and and, it, and for stand up not to not to cut you off but for stand up that was one thing that i found really enticing about it that i still find enticing about it you know if you you have to work at being funny and people will not everybody's going to have the same idea of what is funny but people's work shows and if you if you don't do like if you have a, like an offset you can come back and win people's respect when you just like went, you, you worked harder, you get your material better and people notice, Oh, you, you learned, you got better. Cool. Okay. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. The, the proof is in the pudding. Are people laughing? They're laughing. So there you go. Yeah. Um, it's there. Yeah. But I, but I, I like to think about those conspiracies, like people buying their way into parts or people sleeping with a producer. That's real. There's casting yep. directors who you have to, they, they, they'll hold auditions, but they're only going to cast people who take their classes. Right. So there's, there's those games that are going on. There's yeah. all sorts of games happening behind the scenes. And so, you know, if you're out there and you really worked your ass off at acting or theater and you went to LA and it didn't work out. It's not on you. It's true. And, it's and there's part of there's part of that learning curve with getting there too, in terms of like you're saying, um, when as an actor do you stop taking it personally and see the other forces are at work and hold yourself accountable to the things that you can. You know, um, there are certain things that I learned when I was already in a couple of years that I'm like oh, well, if I started doing this on year one, I'd be further ahead now just for the way things in LA work. And I don't mean with uh, sleeping with producers. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, that did not happen, um, obviously. Or if it did, that'd be terrible because I'm not talking to you from my mega mansion. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if you can tell, this is not a mega mansion. Um, you know, but but certain just certain things in terms of certain workshops or classes or just, you know, the just the, yeah, the different way in the, the city the right mm-hmm. class with yep. the right teacher who knows the casting directors like some people are just really connected and you know you find that person and and boom you 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 networked your way into now having a major agent and and, and then there's that there's a networking skill and some people aren't networkers some people are like oh that's so phony i could never network well here's news this is a business we got to network and that's part of how you get those agents and managers right. and stuff is shaking hands and shaking hands with the right people who know the right people who know the right people who know the right people. Yeah. And I think doing it in a way that feels good to you too, though. I mean, because there, there's part of it where it is that skill set of just you you grow that skill set. Excuse mm-hmm. me. Um, and then sometimes it's also just changing your mind frame. Too. Mm-hmm. And for, for, for me, again, like that was one of my favorite things about comedy is I met so many more people once I started doing stand-up, but I never felt like I was networking. Like, I want to talk to that person. They're funny. Or you get to be on a lot of shows. And, you know, even like how I met you. I yeah. met you because of stand-up. I wouldn't, have, exactly. I wouldn't have known you otherwise. And now you're on the podcast. <laughs> Yay. So I, I, I really like that organic way of doing it. And, um, it's a, it definitely is a skill set. 
Yeah, I'm I'm still learning how to network. I think I'm naturally more of an introvert. And um, so it's it's always weird. I, I was dating someone who was a total extrovert and he'll like he'll constantly just be talking to all the different people and um knows so many people. And meanwhile, I'll make like a few meaningful connections, but I choose them wisely. <laughs> I mean, I think that's the thing about my personality. I'm like, less is more. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah. Where I'll okay, I'll be like, okay, this is the person who I want to build a relationship with and network with. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm gonna focus a little bit more on that person and learning more about them and and making sure that okay, I am gonna like all their statuses. I am gonna share stuff that's funny of them. Yes, it's kissing their ass, but. <laughs> Uh, it's different from other people who would, hey, here's my card, here's your card, I've got your number, never hear from them, and then hit them up on email a year later, right? right. There's a difference. Yeah, it's it's those little things. Like, and yeah, yeah, we know, we know that there's an ulterior motive, but it's nice to see that effort, and also it is kind of good vibes. It's like, oh, you did read my status. Yeah, it's nice. Oh, thank you for commenting. That's nice. Right. You know? Well, and I think if you're a genuine fan of somebody too, like I, for, I, I mean, I, I, I noticed that I was doing that. I, hmm, I'm not going to say who this person's name is, but you know, it's a person that has a show out, um, on HBO right now. And I'm a genuine fan of their, their show and their work. I want them to keep getting renewed. And I just, you know, I liked something and I commented on one of their things on Instagram and I noticed that they, like responded. And so I was like, oh, this is great. You know, I'm going to keep on posting. I'm going to keep on like giving them shout outs. And it was a, it definitely was started from that really genuine place. But then I realized I'm like, oh, this probably looks bad. (laughs) So then I like backed off for a minute. But um, I was just so excited to see them starting to get work and wanted to, you know, boost the word out. That's awesome. Yeah. So gotta network, man. It's yeah. Weird. I, I always feel phony doing it, but I always have to try. Yeah. I I think what what would probably help me is I if I pretended that it was my job. I think that would be my workaround because you know I waited tables for several years and I'm normally uh, a bit shy, I guess, when I, you know, if if I don't know somebody, like we're in a class together, then maybe after a few classes, you start talking or something, not immediately saying, let's be friends. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, But when I was serving, obviously that's part of your job. And so I could strike a conversation up with anybody and it felt so natural. Um, But, you know, take me out of that situation. It's like, how, what, how do I, I can't talk to you. I don't know you. Yeah. So... Yeah, definitely. Although I got to say, you know, stand-up has pushed me to, because I have to network for stand-up, you know, whenever I'm doing these festivals that have a lot of industry and I've got to like Uh, push my way through and be like, hey, you know, position myself where I'm standing. I mean, there's all kinds of psychological tricks to it. So that way you can like get yourself in there and have that conversation with the guy from NBC or whatever. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's like a whole, I feel like a sociopath for having broken it down to the degree that I have, but I have. And it works. And, I, um, I want to hear about this. I don't know if this has to be off the record because I, I mean, it's just, definitely can improve my, uh, when I know that I'm networking, I can improve that. If I don't know that I'm networking, I can be super friendly, but it is that mental shift I'm still working on. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of, um, how do I, you kind of have to just always be monitoring that person. It feels very stalkery, but I'm talking about the context of, um, you know, comedy festival context is it's a crowd of people there's like a hundred comics everybody wants to talk to that person yeah how do you break through those five or six people that have been hounding them all Mm. night okay and every single everyone is a little bit different um but definitely helps to position yourself in their line of view Mm -hmm. a lot um so that they like they need to see you physically a lot because then they're more likely to talk to you because then they're like, oh yeah, that's cat. Yeah, I saw her. Oh, that's cat. That's cat. That's cat. Versus oh. standing behind them somewhere and being like, oh, when am I going to talk to them? When am I going to talk to them? Um, um, 
if you just visually in their eye line, it's just always giving them that like visual cue of you so that they're not forgetting you. Um, yeah. And that, and then kind of just standing near, standing near, standing near, waiting for that, that person to end their conversation and then kind of casually bumping them into them while eating pizza and your mouth is full. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's from your, the pizza from your first standup show, right? Classic yeah. slice. You got to It's your good luck you get, pizza. You get a slice. Yeah. No, like, God, it's like, it's so, it's so fake, but you got to make it organic. It's its own kind of acting. Oh, how do you start the conversation? I don't like to start it being like, did you see my set? What did you think? That's too, <laughs> to the point. I go, how was your flight? How was your flight in? Oh, you hear about this whole thing, Bernie? Like whatever it is. And you start conversation about anything, not about the set. And eventually it'll get to the set, but you got to have that organic chit chat at the forefront. You win them over. Now they like you Mm. instead of just being like, here's my card. What was my set? Hire me for something. Be my manager. Right. Yeah. Right. You have to have, you have to have that human connection for like, Mm -hmm. this is who I am. Yeah. I I see you, you see me and you have that, that moment. Yes. Yes. So, and this is where I'm like my, my whole philosophy of less is more and like you focus on the selected people Uh is big because in having those genuine moments that human connection Mm -hmm. that's how you develop a relationship that's different from hi here's my card whatever they're gonna forget about you eventually they'll forget about you but if you have a really good conversation with somebody even if that year they don't rep you if you bump into each other at another festival they know your name and i can confidently say Jeff Singer, who books just for laughs, he knows my name. When he sees me, he says hello. And, nice. yeah. um, and it's really cool to be able to say that. I know that I'm on his radar and he knows me as a comic that I'm talented. But also when he sees me, he goes, hey, Kat, how's it going? And it's because of that human connection, not being yep. intimidated and feeling like it has to be business. The Booker for South by Southwest, right. we're total pals. We've smoked together. We... Like, we've had so many great conversations. Is he ever going to book me for South by Southwest? I don't know. I actually didn't even know how, what his casting process was until the third year of knowing him. Oh, wow. Which means I had two years of, I probably had three festivals of hanging out with him and just chilling before I actually got to the point. Um, yeah. Because this is the long game. This is the long game. Look it's at you. A, about the game right now. Well, no. yes, that's true. It's a it's a marathon. It's not a sprint, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And and it, like you were saying, when things happen fast, it's like they sure happen slow until they happen fast for yeah. probably ninety nine percent of people. Yeah. Um, so there's yeah. there's you lose out a little bit because you know sure at those festivals you know, I connected with Jeff, I connected with um, the South by Southwest guy Charlie, um, but I missed out on. Oh, and I connected with the the NBC guy. I kind of missed out on the Comedy Central people. But hey, you can't hit them all because right. if you hit them all, you're probably not making quality connections. Um, so better to make the quality connections because they'll actually remember you than to spread yourself too thin and then it's garbage. Oh, I um, like that. You had my philosophy. I'll write down some of these things. Yeah, quality <laughs> connections. Um. And then you also were talking about, what's it, guarding, not guarding your time, but being protective of your time. Yes. So, so I like that. I mean, you're, you're really busy and you do have to have like a bit of a laser focus and choose your projects wisely of what you're going to give your time to. Mm -hmm. And I also do that with dating and it's because I love what I do outside of work that someone's got to really impress me because dating just anybody means I have to take time away from my goals and my dreams. Mm -hmm. So are you worth the sacrifice of that extra show that I'm not going to do because I'm going to hang out with you, buddy? Yeah. Not just anybody's worth that sacrifice. My mom's like, settle, go for a guy who you're not attracted to, but it's really nice. I'm like, no. (laughs) (laughs) No, because I have to spend my time and energy on a relationship. I'm not going to spend my time and energy on a relationship that I'm halfway about. I'd rather have right. Well, right. If you're happy, you're happy with who you are and what you're doing. 
why would you want to spend some of your time being less happy? Exactly. You want to be half happy with somebody else who's there or all happy when you're by yourself doing what you want to do. Like 100%. The boundaries conversation is obviously a huge conversation because there's a sort of interdependence that we can develop with people who, who come into our sphere, right? And how mm-hmm. like your balance is a little bit different when there's another person there, you yeah. know? And, and then when does it shift too far? <laughs> yeah. And I'm, I'm really learning about that. Yeah. I'm just taking my time to make, do my projects, then our projects, mm-hmm. and then my time off. <laughs> like, what? <laughs> That's a lot. Right. Oh, the life of an artist is never boring. A lot of us, we have full-time jobs. And then on top of that, our passion is really our full-time job. And then mm-hmm. you mix relationships and everything else into it. And it's, it's a lot of juggling. Yeah. And then kids one day. Ugh. <laughs> that's the one decision I'm dreading to make. I mean, I know that I, inside my heart, I know that I want them. But on the practical level, I think I've just been avoiding thinking about it. So I went back to your website to just, mm-hmm. you know, look up a few things, make sure I intro you well, all of that, give you your props. You guys remember at the Cat Alvarado. Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. And I came across one of your jokes I hadn't heard in a while. Your tattoo joke. Yeah. Can you you say it so I don't mess it up? Yes. I want a baby like I want a tattoo. If I wake up with one, I'll keep it. So good. And yeah. You know how I wrote that? I was texting a guy. It was a text that I sent. We were talking about that exact thing. And I sent it and I was like, oh, that is concise. Yes. I was like, I'm going to try that. And I did. And it worked. <laughs> it is. It's, a great, it's great. It's great. And, you know, oh, the kids topic. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. I don't know what I'm going to do. Like, I, I think I, I want to be in a place where my career is where I want it to be and my relationship is to where I want it to be. But I'm, and then there's, you know, um, the state of the world and blah. There's so many different things in play. It's where I'm like, I want one, but am I going to physically have one or are things going to be the way that they are when I've passed that time <laughs> and I adopt one? Just like, I don't know. It's going to be a while. It's going to be a long time from now. Like, right. You're gonna be, we're going to be fine for like a good amount of time and then we'll ruin our life with kids. Like <laughs> we got time to have fun first. Right. Um, or maybe never, because if I don't have the right circumstances, maybe I won't. And I'm like, well, maybe I won't. You don't know. I'm thinking of a stand-up comedian that I know we both know who has a kid and she's amazing. I don't know what her, th- her thoughts are. Lori curious. Yes. I was trying to be vague, but sorry. I love her. Yeah, She's so hilarious. She you guys check her out if you night. haven't yet. She has a late night writing job. So she's got that, um, she's got that stability. Yeah. She writes for Conan. And so that makes it so that she can't have a kid. And I think I want to like get staffed on a show. I want to be a staff writer on a TV show. Then I'll have my baby. (laughs) I love it. Yeah. You guys, let's just take a moment. I'm going there. We're going to take a moment. We're going to send Kat some good energy. I'm assuming at least a couple of you guys listening to this are into energy. (laughs) We're going to center some good energy and we're going to say, Kat, we're wishing this for you and it's on its way. And we're excited to see that beautiful baby. Yes. Send me the TV writer. That's right. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. There's one and i totally lost track of time i try to keep these not too long so you guys can listen to the whole thing and get on with your days so i think i will ask you one more question okay mm-hmm. um is there a life lesson you would like to impart to our listeners that you you've learned from your time either doing stand-up or I know you did a lot of theater growing up. Is there a life lesson that Mm -hmm. you can share? 
Well, aside from the other stuff. Yes, exactly. I know there was so much packed into it, but yeah, no. I would say enjoy the journey and let go of the outcome at the end. Because I think some of us put a lot of pressure on ourselves because we've invested so much time. We've made life choices. We told everybody in our hometown we were going to win an Oscar and come back and we were going to show them. And then we didn't. (laughs) And we're not even close. (laughs) Or we do that, but at least in our heads, we did it, not out loud. You know, we, we put our pin, we put our hopes on, on accomplishing some pretty big things um, in showbiz sometimes. And it can be scary. It can be really disappointing when things aren't going, you know, and when we see people who are like less talented or undeserving and we're like, how did they book a series regular on a Netflix show? What the fuck? Yeah. Um, just enjoy the ride and let go of the outcome. Do your best, but be present in the moment and, and do your best because you're proud of yourself and you have pride in who you are, right? But tomorrow's not guaranteed. So why are you going to like hurt yourself or put yourself down because you're comparing yourself to others? Right. Yeah. Just be on your journey and enjoy that journey. That's my life lesson. Thank you. Thank you for sharing your life lesson. (laughs) When you're saying, you know, all of this about enjoying the journey and not comparing yourself to others, which of course is, I think, hard regularly, Mm -hmm. but especially Mm -hmm. I think it's in the face for us as performers all the time. I mean, if you're working a day job and somebody else gets hired for the position that you wanted, well, you're probably not going to see their pictures all over social media and being interviewed on like talk shows and on People Magazine or, you know, and then on top of it, it's probably not happening every day. You know, the Mm -hmm. quantity of it, it can be, yeah, it can feel very deflating if you're not in a good sort of emotional, mental, spiritual mindset. Uh, And so having, having like a deep love for yourself, a deep love and acceptance and belief in yourself and knowing that, just like you said, you have this gift, you are talented, and you're, you are sharing it. And when the time is that it comes that you're going to get the thing that is yours and yours alone, we don't have any control of. It's just being prepared, showing up, doing the work and remembering to completely love ourselves and not mm-hmm. let any of that comparison crap weigh us down. Self-compassion. Yeah. And you never know the thing that you thought you were working toward as your goal, that might not be the thing. Thing that's your destiny. It might be something completely different, yep. but awesome. Yes, you definitely. I mean? You never know yep. where your path is going. I had this aha moment the other day and it just, it just struck me. Do you ever get this sort of big knowledge that just, it comes down like a wave of feel like you oh yeah, feel just like sudden body. enlightenment. And you're yes. Like, Whoa, like sudden, am I having a nowhere. psychotic episode? <laughs> <laughs> well, I wasn't going to say a psychotic episode, but you I'm know, like, to each his own. <laughs> one time I was like meditating and I felt like I tapped into the greater Jungian subconscious, right? I just uh-huh. had, I was like, oh, this is amazing. I, and I was like, oh, I just had that thought. And I was like, wait, my self-aware side was like, oh, magic <laughs> isn't a thing, cat. Are you having episode? <laughs> like, what is happening? Is this the psychology thing? So I just took a step back and was like, okay, I'll just take this for what it is and let's tone it down with the grandiosity in your brain, girl, your imagination. <laughs> well, I cannot speak to that specifically, <laughs> but I I know that some people, you know, there are these times of this greater awareness of tapping into bigger than you, right? Yeah. And um, I had this moment where it hit me because I've definitely done a lot of the sort of like, I don't believe I'm a loser. I know I'm not a loser, but sometimes I felt like one because I didn't get to where I, I said I would get to by now or blah, blah, blah. And oh, if only I'd gotten this or gotten that. And it just struck me. It just came to me one day and I wasn't thinking about that at all. Well, if I got what I said I wanted, my life probably would have been a nightmare. 
you know, I think I actually was saved from what I wanted. And just like you said, saved for what my real, my real work is, but my real work and what actually is going to bring me the most joy and how I might actually be able to make a difference in the most people's lives. It may not be that thing that, that I initially wanted. And that thing I initially wanted could be what took me on this direction. I have a great story to share about that. It's not about me. It's about um, the Mickey Mouse Club and some of our favorite pop stars. Ooh, so okay. My, my best friend told me this story and it was really good. Uh, so apparently um, it was around the time where Jessica Simpson, Britney Spears, and Christina Aguilera, they were all auditioning for the Mouseketeers. And Christina Aguilera and Britney Spears got it. And Jessica Simpson didn't because they already had two blondes and they were better than her. Right. Ooh, and so she okay. didn't get this thing that I'm sure at the time she really wanted. And it was yeah. heartbreaking that she didn't get it. Um, but fast forward to today in everybody's lives and who's the happiest. Um, for what I hear, Christina Aguilera may or may not have a drinking problem. Um, but she's full of she's full of filler and her life has been rocky. Britney Spears. She, we all know she had her breakdown. Her life has been rocky. And Jessica Simpson has her own line of shoes, is married, happily married with two kids. Like she didn't get the biggest pop star career like they did, but she has kind of the best life Mm. of three, but she lost that first opportunity. Right. There you go. But she was still Jessica Simpson. But, like, but well, you know yeah, I, mean? the, I, I get what you're saying. Story. Yeah, I get what you're saying is we can still have something great, even if it's not the thing that we thought was the greatest thing. And not getting that greatest thing could be what be. saves us. Yeah. At the end, at the end of the, the thing looking back. Mm-hmm. That's right. And yes. I was I was looking for a callback, but I just the mind just blanked out. I'm like, I'm listening to this, I'm taking it in. Okay. <laughs> That's right. Okay. Well, I could talk to you, I feel like, for hours. Um, but I, I you know, I just want to thank you for your time. I don't want to keep you on the episode too, too long. And uh so Yes. Uh, just to remind you guys, please check out uh, the Cat Alvarado. Listen to her amazing podcast that's very well researched at the Villains of History and learn something new. And then talking about learning something new, if you're looking for a coach to help you use performance skills to help improve and empower your life and voice, body, and mind, you can always reach me at beyondtechniquecoaching at gmail.com. Check out the website, share the podcast, please. If you enjoyed it, please like and subscribe and share. Thank you so much for your time and stay safe and healthy.